This is the Plain English Real Estate Show with your host, Rowena Patton, a show that focuses on the real estate market in terms you can easily understand. Call Rowena now. The number is 240-9962 or 1-800-570-9962. Now here's the English girl in the mountains, the agent that I would trust, Rowena Patton. Good morning, everybody. I am not an English girl, but I am in the mountains here with William Morrison this morning. <laughs> good morning. How are you? Oh, good morning. Good morning. I can't complain. I'm, I'm doing good. It is a beautiful, sunny day out in Asheville today, so beats yesterday for sure. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit like yesterday. It's going to kind of come and go. We've got some afternoon showers coming in, kind of a typical spring day, I believe. Mm, yeah. You know, my uh, grass lawn wouldn't hate that. Yeah, no, is, I'm I'm crushing it as far as growing grass. I think we were chatting not long ago. I was like, man, I've really not had any success growing grass. I put down like 50 pounds of seed <laughs> earlier this spring, diligently watering it every day. Also blocked my dogs off from being able to walk on it. And I've got beautiful turf. I think I'm going to start a nice little putting green in my backyard. Man, good for you. I feel like, you know, that says homeowner more than anything else is, you know, just really getting after a lot. You yeah. know, it's like... For me, that was the first thing I tackled. It was pure mud when I moved in. Mm -hmm. And uh, this year, I, I've already aerated it. Like you, I probably got 20 pounds of seed. And clover. Okay. Fun fact, Asheville, if you put clover in with your seed, it adds nitrogen, mm -hmm. um, which you know is just a nutrient source for your grass. So it's it's one less thing you have to fertilize each year. Isn't that one of those like nuisances, though, that like everybody's trying to kill eventually when they're like, oh, man, all I have is clover and I don't have any grass? Like what comes next to you when you're like, oh, man, I've got this great clover yeah. and no grass? <laughs> you know, my goal is just to cover all the dirt. So okay. as long as it's green, okay. you know, I'm good with it. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah, that serves its purpose. Well, we are the Real Estate News Radio Show this morning. Uh, if you guys have any questions for Will or I, we're going to fumble through roughly an hour of Real Estate News Radio. Uh, but give us a call, 240-9962 or 1-800-570-9962. Uh, we do have some trivia today from Will. We'll start off with that, give some people a reason to call in. What do you got for us this morning, Will? Oh, man, trivia. Yeah, uh, I know Asheville loves some trivia, so... yeah. Uh, let's start off with an NFL trivia question. Um, what NFL quarterback has been in the most Super Bowls? Tyler, Ooh. I bet you know this. You're a big NFL fan. Uh, I don't know. I don't so know. We That's got a tough one. A, Tom Brady. B, Peyton Manning. C, my personal favorite, Ryan Tannerhill. Oh. Tennessee Titans fan over here. And D, Aaron Rodgers. Who could it be? We got A, Tom Brady. B, Peyton Manning. C, Ryan Tannerhill. And D. Aaron Rodgers, and this again is what NFL quarterback has been in the most Super Bowls? Nice. And what's the What's the award for this one, Tyler? Uh, well, you've either got a free cocktail jargon, which is on Haywood Road, nice little restaurant, and then we have a free mask from the doo -doo 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 -doo, Sunside Trading Co. right behind Twelve Bones in Riverside. So, give us a call two four zero nine nine six two or one eight hundred five seven zero nine nine six two. Which quarterback has shown up in the most Super Bowls ever? Mm. Right? Yep, that's it. Cool. Well, give us a call. Um, you know, and even for the winner there, we could throw in a free buyer consultation. Ooh, you know, all right. One on one, if they want to just chat about their real estate position or if they want to buy something or sell something, I think that we could even throw that in. Nice. Nice. We'll just do it right here on air, have them in the office. <laughs> I was thinking one on one. Okay. Know, in case they want to. Because this would be one on like a million, right? with all the listeners combined with the caller. That's true. Yeah. 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 Might put a little more pressure on them than they'd, they'd prefer. It is a lot of pressure. You remember your first time on the radio? Oh, boy, do I. 
Yeah. I uh, drank a little bit too much coffee that morning, mm. so I walked in and I couldn't stop sweating and, and talking. <laughs> and I don't. I, I think I blacked out for the whole experience. I bet that's better than the inverse, though. Yeah. Yeah. Going clammy and perhaps just not being able to talk, which yeah. I think is pretty yeah. close to what I did my first try. <laughs> Maybe it's better to over talk when you're nervous than under talk on the radio. Yeah, and I think I didn't have enough coffee. But I had maybe too much Irish coffee just to prepare, yeah. a bit of, like, you know, confidence, liquid confidence to get on the radio. Yep, yep. We also have Randy here. Randy, do you remember your first radio session? Well, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't. I couldn't talk because I couldn't breathe. First really? First time I was on the air. I was 16 years old. And oh my gosh! And I, I just couldn't. I couldn't master that breathing thing, man. Yeah. yeah. Breathing and talking at the same time—it mm-hmm. wouldn't work. 16. So how long's it been? 52 years. Wow. And what was the scenario that had you speaking on the radio at 16? Because I can tell you right now, nobody really wanted to hear me at 16 on the radio. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have anything worth sharing. (laughs) I just had a boyhood desire. I don't know. It's a a divine intervention or something, man. I was a kid with the transistor radio under the pillow, uh, listening to faraway radio stations. Uh, I, I just had... Something drove me to the radio, friends. Reach Very out cool. and touch the radio. Yes. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's I awesome. keep waiting to have that moment in life where I'm like, this is what I should do <laughs> for my life, you it, know, the rest of my life. Yeah, that's the key to that is my passion. It has always been my passion. I've mm-hmm. never worked a day in my life in that 52 years. I've had a blast in this career, and I'm still loving it. Yeah. That's the thing. Find your passion. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's just something that we have like a misunderstanding with now. And it kind of came up on the radio last week. They're talking about what work is. And, you know, now that they've gotten into this crypto business, they don't work any longer because they're so passionate. So work feels like something that exhausts you or is like tiresome. Mm -hmm. But because they're so passionate, which like I'm sure like you, Randy, um, it doesn't feel necessarily like work. You don't necessarily leave after a full day and you're like, oh, man, like I'm just toast you know, you're invigorated more so. You're like energized by your work. So um, it's an interesting relationship. Um, yeah, and surely you have to align that with something you're interested in. Like it sounds like they're really into crypto, and so, it, you know, it makes it really easy to blend that passion with, you know, work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I wonder, wonder what the formula is there. Yeah, I don't know. I think you just keep taking your shot, you know. Yeah. Trial Did you feel that at any point? guiding fly fishing trips in Colorado? Oh, yeah, I I did, man. I miss that a lot, actually. Guiding is, you know, it's a unique uh, employment opportunity, unlike anything else. You meet your clients at 6.30 on the river, and they hand you the cooler and say, hey, man, will you pass me a beer? You want one? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'll start by saying yes the first time, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday rolls around, and you're like, okay, I don't want beer at 6.30 in the morning anymore. <laughs> I'm not yeah. on vacation. Um but yeah, it's just incredible to experience a first time, you know, with somebody else. And in, in this case, catching a fish or teaching someone how to catch a fish and then them seeing, uh, you know, or them successfully doing that mm-hmm. is, is pretty rewarding. I feel like you can pull some parallels to this in real estate. Yeah. Like I only what had you got, two Tom? beers at 630 this morning with clients. <laughs> 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 but outside of that, you know, guiding somebody through like their first time home buying experience and then they see that opportunity and then especially you know how i felt with you oh just a year ago getting your first investment property and then really kind of opening your eyes and you know catching that you know quote unquote fish perhaps and seeing like how exciting it is and 
you know, igniting that fire. And, you know, and then I, having a beer at 6 a.m. <laughs> I would say it's almost, you know, buying your first home is almost as rewarding as catching a trout on the fly rod. Almost. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for those that don't know, it is true. Tyler actually helped me buy my first home. Um, I'm a real estate agent, and I would recommend uh, Tyler to anyone who is looking to buy a home. He's great. He's super knowledgeable. Um, works with buyers, investors, sellers, kind of the whole gamut. Um, but yeah, I mean, how did we, we find that one? I think we approached you, my wife and I, and, and we basically wanted to do something called house hacking, which I think is a pretty safe investment option for a lot of people. And it also, um, helps, you know, the community get a, get a place to live. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of funny when, when we found that one, um, I think it was on the market for maybe a day. Cause this was kind of during the height of COVID mm-hmm. and the craze. And, and so I just drove over to the house, um, and met the seller who also happened to be a fly fishing guide oh, at wow. one point in time from Colorado, uh, which is where I spent the last five years and, and just made connections off, off the bat. And it kind of went from there. Yeah. Do you typically recommend your buyer clients to go stake out the house, meet the sellers and form a relationship prior to you showing them the house? You know, I don't, I don't recommend that. Um, but you know, if it's something that you want to do without your real estate agent telling you, it, it probably can't hurt. Um, but no, I do not tell my clients <laughs> to do that. Yeah. No, I think you just randomly saw it. You went and poked around first time and you came up to me and said, Hey Tyler, I think we want to buy a house. And I think this one's it. It was, you know, maybe a few conversations before that, but pretty simple. And this one just kind of fit the picture, but tell us a little bit more about house hacking because we can somewhat parlay last week's conversation because that's how they ended up in their home. You know, they purchased their home right before everything really kind of hit in 2020. Um, the gentleman he got laid off two weeks after closing on this property. So it was actually the uh, know, the bit the bit. crypto couple. Oh wow! I don't know okay. coin you guys is that coin crypto? Uh, um, but you know they used that opportunity to offset their mortgage or basically nullify their mortgage by creating a second second you know housing facility within their home. So you want to tell us a little bit about your arrangement and maybe how others can identify a property they can house hack? Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's a, it's a good option for anyone buying a first home. I think we all know that the prices in Asheville are, are becoming less affordable. Things are becoming more expensive. Um, houses are hard to find. Um, so with a house hack, the first thing you're going to want to do with your agent is, is find out what's allowed. Um, are you allowed to um, rent out a property where you're at? Um, within the city limits of Asheville, um, they are fairly enthusiastic to have um, long-term tenants um, just to provide housing for people. So um, for us, we were specifically looking for a house that had um, a second level or you know at least a wall between our tenants. Um, and with that one, with, with the house that we currently live, that's what we were able to find However, you can be as creative as you want. You could live in a house and have an extra bedroom that you decide to rent out. And that technically would be house hacking. And the uh, rent that they pay could go towards your mortgage, which at the end of the day is, is kind of the goal to help um, um, decrease the amount that you're paying each month um, and have a little bit more income in your pocket. Um, so, yeah, this particular house, it's, a, it's an upstairs and a downstairs. Uh, when we found it, the downstairs was pretty flooded and... 
Um, so we were able to add a little bit of value to the house right off the bat by just tearing out the floors um, and some of the drywall and refinishing a lot of the downstairs um, um, areas just to make it a little bit nicer for you know our potential tenant and mm-hmm. uh, to bring in some value. Um, and you know honestly, I, I think in terms of you know those people who are scared to do it because they're like, oh, I don't want to live with someone else. I don't want to share a wall. I, I think a lot of times we all share walls with people in Asheville's, you yeah. know, whether it's um, 20 yards or, you know, an actual literal wall where we live fairly close to each other. And, and I think if you do your due diligence as a um, landlord, if you will, it's, it's really not, not that hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think one thing that I've heard you touch on is kind of the fulfillment you get from having like a tenant. You've had some wonderful relationships with the tenants that you've held thus far. So like there's a great opportunity to build upon that community, especially because you and Lauren are, you know, somewhat new to the area. So it's mm-hmm. a good way for you to kind of build your you know inner circle per se, right? Yeah. And by somewhat new, he means I grew up in Johnson City, which is 45 minutes from here. So I've been around Asheville for quite some time. Mm. <laughs> well, well, you know what I mean. Not a local like him, though. Yeah. Well, so next thing that I want to ask is, how do you analyze a deal? So I think that's probably the next biggest question. And first, identifying a property, what's going to work, how much of a co-op living situation you want to have. You know, if you're single guy or gal and you want to have a couple different rooms with different tenants, that's great. Or if you feel like you need a little bit more security and you want to do like a top bottom or like a duplex left right um, scenario, uh, that'll offer you a little bit more privacy. Um, but let's say you do find that property, how do you identify it as a good property through making sure that your numbers make sense? Yeah, I think uh, simply put, um, it depends on your goals. Um, if you want to come out cash flowing a lot per month, um, that's one way to do it. Um, another way to do it would be to buy a house in an area that you think is going to appreciate over time really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you want to, do you want to get, um, thousands of hundreds of thousands of dollars over time or, or do you want, you know, that monthly income? Um, so I, I think it, it depends on those things, but if you, and just in terms of, of simple cash flow, um, there's a multiple ways you can look at it, but I think a really quick metric you can use is the 1% rule, which I think is probably a little bit outdated at this point with our current market. But, you know, if you have a $300,000 house and you look at 1% of that, which would be 3000 3, um, essentially you want to be able to get that much in rent out of that property. And so you have to decide, is this property going to allow for that much money each month? Um, and like I said, I, I think as properties are continuing to in- increase in price, that's harder to find. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, you can use that as just a general factor of like, oh, okay, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat close to that. Like, let's dig in a little bit more. Um, but, you know, specifically you look at, you know, how much rents go for in the area. You can use tools like Rentometer and uh, look at comps at um, apartments.com or Zillow, any of those resources. And then you can subtract your expenses. So, just general mortgage, utility costs, um, all those things, and, and kind of come up with a number that uh, may or may not reach your goals. Uh, for Laura and I, we we just wanted to supplement our mortgage. We didn't have a specific number that we were really going for, um, but more importantly, we just wanted to, to, to find a house that we could rent a portion of it. Um, and so for our house, you know, it it if if we moved out, it would cash flow um, fairly well, and it was in an area that we think will continue to appreciate over time, and so it just just made sense. 
Yeah, and I, the fantastic notes there, and just two big things to hold on to is that there are two very clear angles most investors approach when they go into investing, and it's typically a transition. Uh, cash flow, which just means all of your expenses, and then your gross rents received, and whatever that difference is, is your you know net cash flow. And a lot of new investors, that's their target direction, because ultimately, a lot of people are trying to get out of the rat race. People are trying to get out of whatever job they might be in that they're not passionate about, and they want to offset that by creating some cash flow, reduce the amount of time that they need to spend there, and perhaps invest that time in, you know, finding more deals, you know, whether that through be through wholesaling or closing on more properties to repeat this process. Or the other direction would be appreciation or value add, um, which could be two different things, targeting a neighborhood that you believe to be on the up and up, and you think you're going to see, you know, 10, 20% year over year appreciation, which if you look at the numbers, that compared to cash flow, you're going to net a lot more over time. It's just a, a mm-hmm. numbers game. Um, especially when you're looking at properties, 300,000, 600,000, that 10% is very significant. Ultimately, that won't be realized until you sell the property or do like a cash out refi and pull some of that equity. Um, But that's a fantastic thing to note um, is that there's two big focuses when it comes to real estate investing and it's that cash flow piece or that appreciation value add piece. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are all um, great points. And, you know, that's one of the beauties of you know, owning a home once you get the opportunity to do it. Yeah, yeah. Which, and I think, you know, using house hacking should make everything, it should make it feel a little bit more palatable or a little bit more approachable. Because yeah. knowing that, you know, perhaps you're a little concerned about what the future may hold. I don't know how stable my job is, perhaps. And maybe you can, you know, afford this home at this time, you just as a single individual. Um, but knowing that's in your back pocket, say, hey, you know, I've got two extra bedrooms or I have a mm-hmm. basement and I can finish if this is something I need to utilize. Um, there's tons of options that I can use to either offset some of my mortgage or, you know, completely my whole mortgage. Yeah, you know, it puts the ball in your court a little bit more. Um, I think in terms of home investing, that long-term tenants are fairly, you know, it's less risky than maybe some other options such as Airbnb Um, There's always people looking for housing. And I think there's a few things you could also consider, you know, like what is the job market like in my current environment? Um, Is there, you know, something that is drawing people, you know, will that be there for a long period of time? You know, and and if so, then there's a really good likelihood that you're going to be able to find tenants. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And so, you know, it just, it's just another stream of income. And I think that's the goal is, you know, how many streams of income can I have? And, um, how much do I need to sustain myself? Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of the number of different streams, you now have an Airbnb, correct? Yeah, yeah. We got our Airbnb, uh, I want to say December, or we opened it officially at the very end of December last year. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me a little bit about that process between closing and opening. You know, how long did it take you after closing on the property, becoming owners, um, furnishing, preparing all of your listing documents through Airbnb. What was that process like? Tough, easy, anybody can do it. Yeah, I think we closed in, I'm going to guess, I think it was November and we probably listed in December. So it was our first Airbnb. So for us, it took us a little bit longer because it was a learning process the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, we're just following other people on YouTube and just taking recommendations from other people we know that have Airbnbs. But I mean, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. Um, I would say anyone can do it, um, in terms of financing, you can use creative financing. You could use, um, a, just a, a, a lender alone. You could use cash. Um, you know, whatever resources you have, you can always use a partnership and, you know, consolidate cash from multiple people. Um, but, uh, it, you know, furniture was fun to get. Uh, my wife is maybe more of a interior designer than I am, but you know, it was kind of the process of, you know, how cheap or how expensive do we want to go? What do we want our Airbnb to look like? How can we set our Airbnb apart from other Airbnbs in that area? Um, looking at competitive properties and, and trying to figure out how can I add value to my property that makes one want to book mine over someone else's. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think anyone can do it. I think it helps if you're a real estate agent, uh, which I am because <laughs> I, you know, I kind of knew what to look for, but, uh, for Laura and I specifically, we wanted to approach the cabin market, um, just because that's something that maybe other States don't have as much as North Carolina does and maybe East Tennessee. Um, so we, we were able to find a cabin property outside of Boone, North Carolina, which, you know, it's a small town, college town, if you're not familiar, which, you know, draws traffic, um, this particular property doesn't have any kind of HOA rules restrictions. So it's uh, fairly insulated from anything changing in the future, which mm-hmm. I think can be an issue with, uh, some Airbnb markets. Um, and then, you know, it's two hours away, so we don't want to drive up there all the time to do things. I, I was up there yesterday trying to build a fire pit in the rain, um, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, it's halfway done, but that's all right. Oof. Um, four stars this weekend. You yeah. Guess, good guess coming this weekend. Uh, we do have guests. Okay. And that's the scary thing about Airbnb. You know, it's 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 all customer service based. It's all about the reviews. Um, you know, if you get like one bad review, that could devastate your future potential bookings. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, you know, you review anything else where it's, you know, a three star is okay or a four star, you know, that's really good. And a five star is perfect. It's like, you know, five star or nothing yeah. in terms of, of, of reviews. So keep that in mind as you guys stay at, at rentals, you know, <laughs> five star review if you if you like the place. And if you don't really like the place, five-star review. Because <laughs> <laughs> that really affects how you populate in your search criteria, correct? So, like, if you pull a few three, two-star you know, reviews, then you're not going to start populating near the top when people start searching, you know, Boone Cabins, right? Yeah. I, yeah, there's a something called Superhost status, and all the marketing is done for us and for most people, I believe, through Airbnb and VRBO, like the, the big box uh, search engines. Um, and, and so since they provide the marketing, it's a little bit out of your control outside of, you know, do I have, you know, X amount of five-star reviews and at which point if I do, then I get marketed towards the top. Um, and then there's other things that you can do to make it, you know, more likable, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting world, but, um, I think the cash flow is a little higher than maybe what you'd find with long-term. I think it also is maybe a little bit more risky because, you know, what if you do get some bad reviews and people stop booking your property and then you have a, a mortgage to cover? Yeah. Yeah. And then <clears throat> now as this relates to your real estate business, um, whenever you get a client now or you find somebody that's like, you know, I'm trying to target short-term rentals. Are you like, Oh, heck yeah. I know exactly what I'm doing. Like, let me, let me assist you through this path Or you're like, Oh man, this is tough. Like, this is really hard to identify one of these properties. This is going to take some time, a lot of energy. Um, are you prepared for this? Like, mm-hmm. uh, what yeah. kind of reaction do you have? I think doing anything yourself the first time, you know, it's going to teach you so much. And I think that's with any new investing 
opportunity is, you know, go for it. You're not going to know everything until you've actually done it yourself, at which point you still won't know everything, but you'll have learned a lot through that process, which Mm -hmm. is where I feel like I am. Um, So absolutely, if someone is wanting to buy a a short-term rental, you know, long-term rental, I think I can add a lot of value uh, because I've done it. (laughs) (laughs) And I know the hard parts and the easy parts throughout the process and, you know, the things that matter, um, how to simplify and kind of make it more autonomous than, you know, having to do everything yourself all the time. So, and I, I think, I think those little tips and tricks go a long way in terms of, you know, doing it for the first time all yourself. Yeah. And you guys were super hands-on and, you know, just for everyone listening, that's not the only option. Like <clears throat> you can close on it and there's larger companies like Evolve and that'll kind of take over and really guide through that whole furnishing stage and kind of take over the whole property management of it. But, you know, you guys didn't do that. You guys have done everything. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many good resources out there that, you know, kind of suggest that you try it yourself to start with, just so you can see all the ins and outs and really know the business from front to end. Um, A lot of those companies take 20% of the profit. And um, I think Lauren and I figured that right now, at this point in our life, we have the time to manage our incoming clientele and um, we have the time to manage, you know, maintenance issues. And we found a good cleaner. So she's on top of um, making sure the house is in, you know, good condition and clean and tells us when there's issues. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's 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 for us doing everything ourselves has been the way to go. But I think in the future, you know, if we had a larger portfolio um, and wanted more help, I think that would be a great option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had clients that just closed on a property in Burnsville and he's in a situation where, you know, he works a full-time job, he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's got kids, uh, married, and they just wanted a property that was basically turnkey where they would make some kind of profit on it, but it would also act as a place to come visit in the, the summer, you know, in the fall, the pretty months. And, um, he's very content paying that percentage out to someone else to manage any of those minor headaches. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a fantastic way to monetize one of those second homes that, you know, is pretty common for people in this area. And oftentimes they just sit, you know, they have a management company that perhaps just comes out, make sure that your lawn care is taken care of, uh, but remains unoccupied. So, you know, somebody taking 20% of gross rents received, you know, that's, still a fantastic deal and you don't have to worry about it. You just block your weekends off that you intended to be there and then let them book it away. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny when you talk about, I always have investors who come up and they're like, I want to, I want to find an investment property and we're going to use it occasionally a few times a year. And I think as a real estate agent, it's incredibly important to find out what their goals are because when you own an Airbnb, you know, and say the average price point for a night rental is 200 bucks. Um, you know, and if, if your client wanted to say a Friday, Saturday and Sunday, that's, you know, a good chunk of change to lose, to -hmm. go visit your property. And I think very quickly, a lot of us are like, well, we could go to, you know, Boone for 600 bucks or we could go camping, you know, or do something else and, and not lose whatever income that, you know, that, that weekend could potentially be. Um, so I, I, you know, it's, it's different if you want to buy a property to use yourself versus purely just an investment that you want to try to make money on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's funny. And I, I heard that exact same scenario come up on bigger pockets and I don't remember who the host was, but you know, somebody came on, they called and said, Hey, you know, I really want to find an Airbnb that we can stay at. Um, and she said she wanted it as an investment and he, he quickly corrected her and said, 
oh, you so you don't want it as an investment. <laughs> you want it as a second house. Like you right. have to determine, you have to delineate those two because like you mentioned, you stay for a week, you stay for a weekend, that's $2,000 out of your pocket, you know, and that's pretty yeah. significant. Yeah. So you have to, you know, draw the line. Like what is your goal here? And first mm-hmm. and foremost, if it's an investment, then you have to treat it as such. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when you stayed there the other night, did you uh, book through Airbnb and pay yourself? <laughs> <laughs> nope, didn't didn't pay myself. Didn't you actually can't book your own property, which is interesting. I don't know why that is. Hmm. Um, maybe they don't want you to skew your own numbers yeah, or something. Double dipping. Yeah. No, I wish someone would have paid me to stay out there though. That would have been nice for the work I put into it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's worth it for a half-built fire pit. It sounds yeah. like a pretty negligent job, if you ask me. Uh, I need to talk to the manager of whoever's doing that work. It's pretty spotty. <laughs> you just got to give a quick note to the guests this weekend. Sorry, we had a rough trip with a contractor this weekend. The fire pit's only half done. But, uh, we've got a new one don't coming out. Don't be too hard on the contractor. <laughs> yeah. It was raining. <laughs> I promise it's still lights. So yeah, if anyone out there in Asheville wants to, you know, go out and stay at an Airbnb in Asheville that's a lovely cabin property with a half done fire pit, you know, give me a <laughs> shout. I'd love to love to align you with that. Yeah. And give us a call at the office, three 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 four four eight three eight two eight three 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 four four eight three. William Morrison is a great resource when it comes to long term, short term investment properties. Uh, I don't know that he works in Boone very often as an agent. Uh, you represented yourself on that one, but for the most part, you're going to try and stay within a little bit closer drive time, right? Yeah, I think that's you know the best interest of my clients. I don't know that market as well. I could uh, you know legally represent, uh, but I think for the most part, I will refer if it's within and you know more than an hour distance from Asheville. Yeah, yeah. So and that's you know the risk you took because you were just representing yourself. So the only person that you would you know hurt is you and your wife. So that's a a liability you can kind of take on. But Mm -hmm. when representing agents well outside of that, you just don't know what's happening in that market. So whenever it comes time to offering however much over due diligence or earnest money, you really just don't know what the market's doing. So you can't really be an honest advocate for your clients because you just don't work in that area enough. Exactly. And that's our job. You know, we just want to as a real estate agent, I know a lot of people will hear that and they're like, oh, a real estate agent, you know, they're always trying to sell me stuff. But I think if you find a good real estate agent, our main goal is to be your trusted advisor, meaning we just want to do everything in y'all's best interest, um, you know, taking ourselves out of the equation. Yes, we make money. Um, typically, that's from the, the seller. Um, I mean, I guess that does technically come from closing costs from the buyer, but the seller pays closing costs and we're really just here to, you know, advise through a process that most people have never experienced before with a lot of moving parts and a lot of potential liability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of the biggest investments everyone will ever make in their life. So having some guidance along the way. And I think you're right, you know, coming from a strictly advisory role, you know, ultimately you want to talk to your clients one, two, five years down the road and them to be super pleased and feel as if they really got a very valuable asset and they were aware of the full picture versus somebody maybe getting pushed into a situation that really didn't pan out well, maybe took more capital to handle than they expected. And then, you know, did you do that great of a job of building out that picture for them? No, because they really truly need to understand what these repairs are going to cost or Mm -hmm. what the potential of some of these small issues could lead to. Uh, Yeah. Or like, you know, a small example would be like, what if you bought a place and all of a sudden there was a highway expansion, you know, Mm -hmm. right across your street. And all of a sudden now you can hear highway noises and deal with the added traffic, Mm -hmm. you know, just things you maybe wouldn't even think about 
in, yeah. in terms of buying a house, things to think about. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's all super specific to your market. So there's a lot of things that I don't know that's going on in Boone, but there's a ton of things that I'm aware of in Asheville, like when you bought your property, that expansion of that development right across the street. It's just small nuances. Yeah. Sometimes it's not anything that's really gone through where you're not going to see building or surveying yet. It's just something that, you know, the county has discussed and approved, but it's just still in the beginning stages. So Yeah, and that's on the outside of, you know, we could tell you about things that could potentially be liabilities for you, but also things that could, you know, add value to your house in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what Tyler's referencing will, you know, ultimately make the neighborhood that I live in uh, more valuable. And, you know, that's something I probably wouldn't have known about unless Tyler had, you know, known the, if Tyler didn't know the area or, or what have you, uh, I just probably wouldn't have known about it. So, yeah, very grateful for that. And there was stuff we missed, you know, certain things about the neighborhood and, you know, things that you just won't catch. Um, and that's, you know, kind of the cost of business, I guess, per se. Sure. Um, you know, but if you're really concerned about a house, a neighborhood, a neighbor, how loud your neighbors play music, uh, I always recommend, you know, if you're not sure, you know, go buy the house on the weekend, on a Saturday, see what Meet happening. the owner, potentially. Yeah, I'm still not going <laughs> to advise clients to do that. That's, you know, sometimes things do get messy. Will's just a super nice guy and created a fantastic rapport with this guy. Um, I did not advise him to do this. He did this on his own. Um, <laughs> but, so that that's where that one went. But um Randy, should we go into a break here in a moment? Ready. Perfect. All right. Well, we'll take a break, guys, and we will see you on the other side. From the 570 Weather Center, this is your Weather Channel forecast. Shower and thunderstorm activity should increase through the afternoon on this Saturday with a high close to 73, and then rain will exit during the evening with a partly cloudy sky overnight and the potential for patchy fog as the low drops down to 55. After a partly cloudy start to Sunday, another round of showers and thunderstorms should develop into the afternoon. Tomorrow, the high near 78, and then warmer on Monday with afternoon showers and thunderstorms popping up and a high temperature reaching the low 80s. I'm Jeff Marr from the Weather Channel. Hi, this is Rick, and we sold our home with Rowena Patton at All-Star Powerhouse. We didn't really want to move, but needed to for my job. Our first realtor didn't listen, didn't care, didn't try. Not a single showing in two months. A friend recommended Rowena. She saw the hard work we put into the home, what it meant to us, and what it could mean to someone else. Next thing you know, it's sold. If you need to get your home sold and not just listed, you need to talk with Rowena Patton. Give her a call at 828-333-4483. Rowena Patton here at All Star Powerhouse. Sell it now. Don't wait. Call me at 828-333-4483. Don't let real estate pass you by with All Star Powerhouse. This is the Plain English Real Estate Show with Rowena Patton. News Radio 570 WWNC. Will, very important question. What you got? Jimmy Buffett fan? Mm, you know, my wife is. Really? Me less so. I knew I liked her more than you. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Lauren, you're a good person. She's Will. Just, she's a sweetheart. Jury's out now. You're not a Jimmy <laughs> Buffett fan. All you parrot heads out there, don't hold it against them. 
All right. <clears throat> so Will's got some numbers for us. We got some market data uh, that will review, you know, what's going on in Asheville, Asheville area, Buncombe County. What you got for us, Will? All right. So this is the data for Buncombe, Buncombe County uh, year to date. So our new listings um, from last year, we had 1,758 at this time. This year, we've had 1,537. So that is a 12.6% uh, decrease in overall listings. Um, which I think is, you know, it's interesting that it's that number is still decreasing. Yeah. Tyler, why do you think that is? Well, I, I think that right now there's a lot of people that, you know, are concerned about listing their home personally just because of the challenging aspect on the other side of it, which I think we see uh, with some of our sellers that are selling their homes and they're looking for homes in the area. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of people here, maybe for lack of a better word, the horror story. Um, that they see being a buyer in this market and how tumultuous it can be uh, sure. going through that process. So um, yeah, it's always fun. Not sorry, it's not fun. It's well, maybe as a seller, it, it's interesting to watch sellers sell their house and kind of go through the emotional high of oh, I've had so many offers and um, you know it's crazy what people are throwing at in due diligence. And then you know on the other side of the coin, they become the buyer and mm -hmm. all of a sudden hate what's going on. Um, but yeah, it is absolutely you know, still a seller's market, even with interest rates um, continuing to rise. Yeah. So continuing on in the numbers, uh, pending sales uh, last year or up to this point, 1,735. Um, this year, 1,522. So less pending sales. Uh, closing sales, 1,519 uh, to now 1,366. So less as well. And my theory on that is, you know, because there's less inventory, there's just less uh, closings to be had and pending sales. Mm -hmm. Because w let's run through what are we seeing as far as median home sales? You mean sa sales prices? Yeah. Like mm -hmm. what it's going for? Yep. Yeah. So median sales prices, um, and I, I think for the locals, this is kind of devastating, um, you know, but the market is just constantly increasing. So it increased 16.4%. Wow. And it went from 365000 as kind of your median um, price point to 425000 Wow. Which is, <clears throat> you know, that's, that's significant. And, you know, if you go back, you know, 10 years, it's crazy what you could have bought a house then versus, you know, what they are now. Um. So then, you know, that kind of goes into, okay, well, you know, how much more are people getting for their house uh, once it's listed? So that's the percent of original list price received. So how much more are we getting? So um, last year it was 97.8%. Um, this year it's 99.8%. So it's a 2% increase, which means wow. if, you know, you say you want 100000 for your house, you're going to get pretty close to that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just average. A lot of times, you know, if your house is... A beautiful house that a lot of people want you're going to get above and beyond that um so you know that kind of is all indicative of a seller's market still what's interesting is you know we recently had an appraisal on that home a part of my mobile home park done oh, yeah. um that we just had parceled off and she came over and she said you know we're seeing people leaving about twenty to thirty thousand dollars on the table no still, um, even with these contract prices. Your appraiser said that. Yeah, yeah, and this is you know through traditional contracts, through highest and best, that even through the appraisal process, she's often seeing that much still left on the table through her comps. Wow, which is impressive. Well, it's scary as a real estate agent. You know, you don't want to come into someone's house and in in 
list significantly over because mm-hmm. then you risk the property being on the market for a long time. And as a buyer's agent, I, you know, I'm always wondering what's wrong if yeah. it's been there for more than, you know, five, 10 days. If I say, tell me what a long time is yeah. now. These past two <laughs> years, you know, a long time is now three or four days. And you look in the agent remarks and you don't see anything about highest and best by Saturday at nine. You're like, what's going on? Like, right. what's wrong with this house? What's the issue I haven't seen yet? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's so interesting. Um, community, <laughs> I can't say that word. Days on market <laughs> until sale. Uh, so last year it was. So this is like the total days, even if it's been taken off and and re- reposted. It was fifty five, and now it's down to thirty three. Wow, which is incredibly quick. And again, you know, I, I think it's warranted to say that you know if your house is above average, um, I mean, how quick have you seen them go, Tyler? Uh, same day, you know. Yeah, same day within five days is very common mm-hmm. in our area. It just you got to be quick with them, and you know if it's especially a house that you're like, oh, this checks off a lot of my boxes. It's mm-hmm. probably going to check off a lot of other people's boxes as well. Yeah, exactly, and that's why you know it's so important to have that relationship with your agent. Your agent sets you up with somebody if they can't meet you there, but you need to be out there the same day, ideally. And you know, I met with one of your clients yesterday. And Thanks for that, by the way. Of course, of course. And he <laughs> said, like, you know, it checked a lot of his boxes. It wasn't the most beautiful property, but it really had some good bones. It could be a diamond in the rough. And, you know, he's like, you know, what do you think we should do? I'm like, you know, to be honest, look, I think we should, you know, shoot first, ask questions later. Like, and that's kind of what you have to do in this market. Even if there's a lot of repairs and just a lot of unknowns, you have to get under contract. You have to get your inspectors, your contractors. You don't have that freedom now through that listing period to say, you know, it's going to be on the market for a couple months. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll get a contract out here, really build out this picture, and then see if we want to pursue a contract. Unfortunately, we just don't have that freedom right now. And for those who haven't bought a house yet, I mean, what that means is essentially getting our contract. You're only risking your due diligence money, which is the money you put down to inspect the house and find out what's going on. On average, that might be 500 up to, you know, 2000 I think mm-hmm. in this market, it, you know, could be a little crazier than that. But um, so in other words, you know, get the house under contract, inspect it, figure out what's going on, and then make your educated decision on whether or not you want to pursue it or, you know, walk away. Yeah. <clears throat> and don't be afraid to walk away. Don't be afraid to waste Will's time, my time. And I, I always, you know, I just say that willfully. I think a lot of people feel that pressure. They're like, man, you know, Will's really worked his butt off for me this far. You know, we've seen 15 homes. Uh, we've wrote countless offers. We're finally under contract. This one's really just ma- not making me feel comfortable. And, you know, don't, you know, consider our feelings, our work or time when it comes to time to, you know, decide if it's for you. Um, I think you just decide if you have the stomach for it because there's certainly projects that I don't have the stomach for um, mm-hmm. that I wouldn't want to get into because uh, there's a lot of unknowns no matter how many inspections you get. Like if you're doing a full reno and you start pulling walls, um, you just discover a lot more and that's where expenses really rise. Um, so you have to know you know, how much of an appetite you have personally for these renovations or um making the home work for you and your family because that's probably what i'm noticing the most mm-hmm. and this maybe doesn't sound the most positive but probably like a few more sacrifices um people say oh you know i really wanted a two-car garage we're just not going to find it um so we settle with you know a one-car garage and no garage um, mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's interesting i have a client under contract right now uh in Asheville, mm-hmm. and they initially wanted to do a short-term rental you know found out within city limits you can't do that for the most part, 
And so they were like, okay, well, let's do long term. And now they're doing, a, you know, like a fix and flip, in which they're going to turn into a long term rental. And and so for me as the agent, I'm looking at the inspection report and I'm almost doing everything I can to talk them out of this property <laughs> because it's, you know, it's a fix and flip. And I have to remind myself that, you know, these clients want to buy a house that needs value to be added to mm-hmm. it. You know, it's got the termites, it has the structural issues, it's missing part of the roof. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. all these red flags in my brain of like, these are all the most expensive fixes. It works for them because it fits, you know, their goal with, with how much they want to put down on a house and how much they can pull back out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you look at it, you know, from that perspective, it, you know, it's a it's a pretty great deal with a lot of meat on the bone, as Tyler would say. <laughs> a lot of um, juice to squeeze. But as a real estate agent, you know, that is scary because, mm-hmm. you know, we are the people that, you know, want to protect people from that. But mm-hmm. they know what they're doing and know what they're looking for. So I think it's great. Yeah. And I think, you know, as a buyer, as an investor, having that crystal clear criteria and exactly knowing what you're targeting makes it a lot easier for you, the agent, to advise because you can come back to that and say, hey, this is what I understand um, is your goal. Um, and this really kind of fits that criteria. Like, is this something I would want to do? Like, no, this is this is a headache. This is, you know, a year or two. Um, but kind of looking back at that appreciation number, you know, seeing 16%, you know, mm-hmm. on average, you know, you bought a $100,000 home a year ago. Now it's 116000 You're not going to gross rent 16000 in a long-term rental. So that appreciation, that value add, um, focus, target in your investment, there it is right there. You times that by three, 300000 you're looking at $45,000 in appreciation resell after that year two year hold period that's much more than you would ever receive in rents in that given period barring maybe like a crazy short-term rental scenario or something like that but that's kind of how those numbers play out from that appreciation or value add perspective yeah and in terms of money that's you know life-changing amounts of money to where you could reinvest that in another property two Mm -hmm. properties whatever it might be um so I was, I was curious, Tyler, why do you think um, the housing market is still just so hot? You know, I, I know interest rates have been rising, and I don't think we have a lender on this call, but um, I think average interest rates are like, what, 5.25% to 6.25% based on what you're you're, you're trying to, to get? I don't know if that's exact or not, but they are on the rise. So, mm-hmm. you know, why is it still so hot? Well, you know, I think a lot of different reasons. I think Generally, there's a housing shortage, um, which is driving rents up. And no matter, you know, people would rather control, you know, their rent, their mortgage, their living expenses. Because right now, if you're renting, you're just at, you know, the demand of your landlord. And Mm -hmm. whenever that lease is up in a year, more than often than not, unless you're just a spectacular tenant, you take care of all the problems, you never call me, um, your rent's going to go up to match market rents, which as long as demand continues growing, um, that rent is going to continue going up. According um, to, sorry to interject, according to Apartment List, it's a it's an apartment website, rents have increased 16.3% since wow. last year. Wow. It's interesting. It almost mirrors that appreciation number. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. So, and that's significant. And that's really significant in terms of your living costs. You know, yeah. you get a mortgage even with 525 um, unless it's an arm and adjustable rate mortgage, you can almost guarantee it's going to remain that barring like any differences in uh, taxes, insurance items like that. But it's nice to have that control. Um, so. Absolutely. And, and just not to have 
you know, you can work on a yard if you want to, you know, it might be unsuccessful in my case, but (laughs) I've got some green grass grown (laughs) and a lot of clover. Um, But, you know, at least I get to decide what I'm doing with my lawn. And, and, uh, you know, I think if rates are going up that much with rents, you know, there's just so much instability with your housing situation. You know, it's, it's almost worth getting into a house to where you can kind of predict what you're going to be paying and, um, and making if you end up house hacking. So yeah, the numbers are, are interesting right now. It's, it's, it's very hot. And I, I kind of wonder if a lot of those people who are like, you know what, I'm just going to keep renting and I'll let this whole thing settle out and then I'll buy later. Um, well, you know, if rents are going up as much as they are, um, I, I feel like that would only cause me to be like, I need to buy a house now. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of people maybe have gotten pushed aside in the market in terms of being able to afford a house. Um, but I think a lot of people, there's just so much, um, so many people out there that want to buy something that are still looking, even at the, the rate that we're at. Um, I think it's going to continue to go up for, you know, at least the next foreseeable future. So. Yeah. And I think what's interesting, and I would need to be fact-checked, so don't take this as gold, but um, the market corrections that we've seen in real estate have never been equal to the corrections we've seen in rents. So mm. if we see a 20% dip in the average home sale, we don't see market rent drop 20%. It's a lot more insulated. You know, It might drop 10%, 5%, or it might just plateau. Uh, mm-hmm. But we don't see market rents drop as much as we see market values as far as home sales. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So they're a lot more, you know, insulated. Yeah. Hmm. So, and it's a, you know, one thing that I think we probably don't talk about enough is, you know, we glorify home ownership, which, you know, it's an awesome vehicle for wealth building, uh, protecting your living costs. But at the same time, if it's not for you, it's not for you. A lot of people don't want to have to worry about the water heater going out Mm -hmm. or want to paint the walls or try and grow grass. A lot of that's just like, you know, white noise that they just really don't want in their lives. Yeah. Or, you know, if you're, you know, you're single, you don't have a job that you love, you're still moving around quite a bit. Maybe it doesn't make sense to buy a house in this time. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot of other investment strategies you could use to create streams of income. I think that's just one that Tyler and I kind of specialize in and know best. And that's really worked well for us. Have you heard of Airbnb arbitrage? Oh, I have. So that's an interesting thing. And I think somebody that maybe isn't too capital rich at the moment. It's mm-hmm. just a good thing that, you know, if you don't think you can get in the market, you can actually create a lease with your landlord, um, make them aware, say, hey, do you mind if I short-term lease this property, you know, sublet beneath my lease? Uh, so technically I would rent Will's apartment and then I would Airbnb it. Um, so I'd be the leaseholder, but then I would operate a Airbnb market or Airbnb through his rental. Um, so that's a great way. You have to pay for furnishings and all that jazz, but instead of having to service a mortgage, um, all your furnishings be highly leveraged, this is a good way to kind of dip your toe in and see if that's a market that you want to get into. Yeah, for sure. That I mean that that makes a lot of sense and I think that could work for a lot of people. I, I would say like, you know, make sure that is okay with the landlord uh before going into it. I wouldn't surprise them with, hey, you know, I've been Airbnb in your property for the last six months. Um, <laughs> But I, you know, as an Airbnb host myself, it's, you know, people tend, the vast majority of people take really good care of properties and they're also on a review system. So, you know, Lauren and I only let people stay at the house who have a profile picture and, and have, you know, one review that says that they've been 
good tenants. And so we haven't had any issues. So I could see how that could work. You know, if you weren't in the position to buy a house, but you wanted to start making that income, you know, find a place, see if landlords are okay with it, rent it and, you know, make an Airbnb out of it. Yeah. And do like a little bit of extra digging because your landlord may not know like covenants and restrictions in like a neighborhood that's gated or private roads. Mm -hmm. um, Often you'll have some community restrictions that you'll want to make sure and review and your landlord may not be aware of those. So. And, and city restrictions. So call call the, the zoning for that area. Like, for example, Woodfin, um, you know, you can't do short-term rentals there. Asheville, you can't do short-term rentals there. Uh, so I think those things are all good to know. But, you know, less risk than if you bought a house and then found that out. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you are renting, you just go to the next rental. Yeah, exactly. And if it fails, you have all these furnishings. You can resell them, which, you know, I'm sure there's probably a good use market for this stuff. And you're a lot less in than you would be, you know, originating a mortgage, purchasing a home and all that jazz. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to kind of chat about? We we got the one minute signal. I the feel like this is a good signal. show. Oh, man. Uh, Tyler, you've got um, just in a minute, you've got some long term rentals. How did you choose your, your market and why? Um, <clears throat> I kind of mentioned this to you before, but I, I enjoy providing housing for long-term tenants. It's very fulfilling to provide somebody a good landlord experience. I think a lot of people have negative connotations with landlords. So to provide somebody a safe, comfortable housing scenario where they feel like their landlord's responsive and helpful and has their best interest, interest in mind um, is rewarding. Yeah. Um, I obviously like the investment aspect, but um, I really find a passion in that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, I can agree to that too. Since we live with our tenants downstairs, it's incredibly important to have people that you like and, you know, and it's been pretty great for us to just to get to know other people and take ourselves out of our comfort zone a little bit and learn you something grew new. up pretty far away. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so far, yeah. just over the hill. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Great show today. Give us a call at... 828-333-4483, All-Star Powerhouse. All-Star Powerhouse. Tyler and Will. This has been the Plain English Real Estate Show with Rowena Patton. Visit Rowena and post your questions at RadioAsheville.com or call her at 828-210-1648.